All right, it's Thursday on DGS 405. Dave out today. It's Parents Weekend at KU this weekend, so he'll be uh, hanging out in Lawrence for the weekend. He'll be back on Monday. Rachel, Andrew, Wheeler are with you here. Matt Pauly is going to join us a little later on. Uh, obviously, we'll all be here for the show tomorrow as well. Rach, why don't we start this hour since this is kind of like a it's kind of weird. These baseball days are always weird days. Very strange. You just kind of like step into the middle of the show and you get going. So I figure these are always days to just have some fun. Why don't we do some Throwback Thursday? Yes, it is time for Throwback Thursday. Let's take a look back in time on what ha- was happening this day in history. Such as this, 86 years ago in 1937, The Hobbit by J.R.R. Tolkien was first published. What year was that? 1937. Oh, that was a very good year. Yeah, that's a great book. What do you do? You prefer The Hobbit over L O T R? Um, no. I always, I mean, I, the movies are the, the Lord of the Rings movies are better, although they're yeah. very close. Oh, they're very close. I no, disagree. I'm with Kevin. I like the Hobbit movies. They're yeah, perfect. they're on. they're good. They're, they're just not as good as the other ones. They're perfect. They're without flaw. If they had come before, if they had come before the Lord of the Rings movies, they would have a different view. I disagree because it's a short book mostly That's written true. for children that they stretched into three Peter yes. Jacksony movies where it's like everything is like oh, yes. can you believe what's happening nope. next and it's like yeah I actually can believe That's what's a great happening point it should have been one long movie instead of three yeah. movies yeah make, make it yeah. make it long make it 4 hours long I don't care yep. but you don't need you know Would 9 you, hours of content yeah. or Would maybe you, just do or make a know, mini series if make, you want to do that do two though like why does it have to be a trilogy when she, she said made it too. when she said short, I thought she was starting to describe The Hobbit for just well, not liking The Hobbit. Like she, it's a short <laughs> yeah. guy on an adventure. Yeah, I hate hobbits. Like, Man, she hates. She really she's hates like, The Hobbit. She's going all Gollum. I hate the Hobbits. <laughs> I hate this them. All right, fifty-three years ago in nineteen seventy-eight, ABC's Monday Night Football debuted. That's exciting, isn't it? You said Wheeler? that was today. <laughs> Uh, yeah. 53 years ago in 1970. Yep. That Monday night football is almost, is exactly like one year older than me. Oh, that's cool. It's like one year and 12 months older than me with Howard Cosell. And it used to be like a big, big, big deal. But keep, what people don't understand, what people don't remember is Monday night football was such a big deal because we didn't have cable. You did not have games on all the time. Like right now, you can pick a night. There are games on. There's a basketball game. There's a football game. There's a baseball game. Uh, you know, in 1970, the fact that there was a national game of the week was monstrous. Because I think at the time, you were only seeing your local team. You were not seeing games from all over the place. We hadn't gotten to that. So, I mean, that that was a pretty big innovation in sports to kind of start you know, in a event, sports event programming. Do you remember when you were a kid, did they always have like the Monday night football theme song and all the fanfare oh, they and did. stuff? Yeah. They didn't have it like now where you'd have like Carrie Underwood or before that Hank Williams Jr. Do they didn't do that. It was just the, it's like the old school, you know? Yeah. 49 years ago in 1974, can't get enough of your love, babe by Barry White hit number one on the pop singles chart. Oh, yeah, it did. Top five voices of all time, Barry mm-hmm. White. Oh, yeah, for Him, sure. James Earl Jones, and I don't know what goes after that. There's some good ones, but Kevin uh, those, Wheeler. Those are the, so, yeah, yeah. Sounds like sounds like sure. the top two. <laughs> yeah, no, no, there, there are others I have to think about, but those two like immediately come to mind. 48 years ago in 1975, Dog Day Afternoon opened in New York, starring Al Pacino as a man who tries to rob a bank for reasons. <laughs> 
I've never money seen probably. That one. I know. Yeah, I know that. <laughs> I know it's a famous movie. I've never. I've never gone back and watched. That I've one. never seen it either. No. If uh, if I told you guys, pick up your phone. I'm telling you, pick up your phone. Go into your photos and what were you doing five years ago today? If you have a photo, and if it's not today, since we're going back on the like right around now, five years ago. So I pulled that up during the break. And five years ago, so it was actually five years ago tomorrow, but I was at a concert at the pageant seeing Stone Sour, uh, and it was a great show. I really enjoyed it. I sat up in the balcony, had a great view, and it was an amazing, amazing show. Um, if I go back 10 years, there's like a, there's a void. I have like an 18-month void where I have no pictures on my phone, and that's just, something's weird, whether I, maybe I downloaded them and deleted them from the phone, something or other. Uh, but yeah, five years ago, at this time, for my throwback, I was at a I was at a, a cool rock concert. Five years ago today, we were filming a Halloween show for the oh, DJS. Nice, yeah. And I have a, a video of my cat. There you go. <laughs> Everyone's <laughs> represented. I can't get the video to play, but it looks like she's just laying on a. Blanket. What's the oldest thing on your phone on, on your photos? Picture of my childhood dog Billy. And what like what like I mean the first one that's on your phone? Yeah, it's Billy. Oh, is it that very first picture? Mm-hmm. How long ago does that picture put on there? Let's see. Give me a second here, wheels. Scroll, scroll, scroll. This, oh, uh, let's see. It was May 24th, 2014. Okay. The oldest photo on my phone says it's from 2006, but I don't know how that's possible. Because I would never have had a so I wouldn't have had a smartphone then. Maybe that's just the date on the photo. But the the first actual set of photos on the phone are from uh February 2011. Hmm. I got this right during spring training. We went to we went to uh, Cape Canaveral with my wife and daughter when she was a littler kid, and then all everything after that is all spring training stuff. It's it's actually Bryce Harper. I got a picture of Bryce Harper when he was eighteen, standing next to Albert Pujols, and they're the same size. Hmm. It was really interesting. Yeah, but that's it. So September, I got this phone right before the Cardinals won the World Series. Well, actually, cool. no, the number, not the phone. This is a newer phone than that. Yeah. I don't have a phone from say, 2011. That was really good for 2011. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so how far back do you have to go in your memory? Because the reason I asked you that, to look back five years or the oldest one, before it feels like it's really a long time ago. Because to me, five years ago, I looked at the, some of the stuff in 2018. It doesn't feel like it was that long ago. Yeah. Ten years, a little bit. You know, but it's it's so it sucks so much to think that ten years ago was 2013, but then you start getting back into like to me before 2010, then it's starting to feel a lot further back. Like the world was different, my whole world was different. You know, you go back before 2010. You know, my kid was what's that? I'm trying to think about how how far back my kid's like 11 or 12, and she's a full grown person now. Like that seems like a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Ten years doesn't to me, but because I'm 20 years older than you guys, I wonder if that perspective feels different. Ten years seems like a lot, like a a lot to me. Five seems less so, but I also feel like everything before COVID kind of feels far away <sighs> at the point. same time too. So I don't know. What about you, Andrew? Uh, for some reason, the first photo on my phone is a picture of Tony Sirico. Oh. It's Polly Walnuts. Uh, in character is Polly Walnuts. Polly Walnuts. Could not begin oh. to guess why on uh, 10.52 p.m. on June 5th, 2021, I took a <laughs> screenshot of <laughs> Tony Sirico, yeah. the actor. Because he looked good and he wanted to commemorate it. I he, mean. He, looks, he looks great in that picture. Is not his real name. Tony Sirico? I his think real is. name is Polly Walnuts. Oh, okay. Yes. Of course. Nobody. This- I shouldn't say nobody. He's a good actor. He's really good. <laughs> but like... 
Name something else that he played. Uh, well, uh, the he played the he excellently played the role of the first photo in my <laughs> cell phone. You know, he was an actual like mobster before he was on the Sopranos. I this know. show is he turning will. into a Sopranos fan podcast. By the way, we talk about it like every day. Yeah, this is the it's first our- time. <laughs> I, I do not claim that this is my first time ever bringing up the Sopranos. It's Y'all our- three talk about it all the time. It's our Roman Empire. I've never even <laughs> yeah. seen. I've never even seen the show like all the way through, which makes it all the more confusing. Why that the day odd. I got. My phone at 10:52 p.m. I said I have to take a picture of Polly freaking walnuts. Got to put your got to put your mind back in that set. Like where were you at that point? What were you doing? Maybe that was the day he passed away. He dead? I'm pretty sure he's <laughs> he <did>. passed. Leal <laughs> screamed. He dead? I don't know why I said it that weird. <laughs> he Let's dead? Google it really quick. He is dead. Oh no! I didn't remember that. Yeah, he died like some time ago. Oh yeah, 20, 2022, So a year ago. Oh, so. Andrew was just saving his picture for I was no taking reason. a picture and saying, I hope this guy never dies. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> all right, let's get back to Throwback yeah, Thursday, right, shall sorry. we? 33 years ago in 1990, ACDC released their 12th album, Razor's Edge, which include their classic hits, Thunderstruck and Money Talks. And as Neil says, tw- ACDC makes people happy. Yep. It, takes them tw- it took them 12 al- albums to get to Thunderstruck? Oh, that's, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, that's... <laughs> they were kind of like... <laughs> 1992, I was in college. I got that. Here, here, you want to talk about a scam? Here's a scam. I had, a, at the time, I was in a class called the Evolution of Rock and Roll uh, because I had free time and I could take it and it was really cool. But for that class in that time, if you got a new cassette tape or CD and you made a copy of it for the professor, you would get like extra credit. Oh, so if you pirated yes. media. Yes, oh, and nobody okay. ever for thought the bene- of it that for way. the benefit of your <laughs> you know, like, professor that, to listen to. And at that time, it wasn't like, "Ooh, what a scam! This is terrible." Now I'm thinking about it, like that was terrible. Yeah, that's pretty bad. He was using all of us dumb college kids to get free music. You guys oh, are yeah. like the reason why we had to sit through those commercials that are like, "You wouldn't steal a car. <laughs> you wouldn't steal a house. Why yeah. would you steal a DVD?" I mean, it was roughly my generation that created Napster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and. I, I think I was on there for a little bit. I was really late to the MP3 game. I was really late to like, I didn't have, I never had an, I think I'm actually, I, I think I had an iPod for like four months before I had an iPhone. Like I ne- I was mm-hmm. late to that whole game. So I wasn't as much into it as others, but I'm pretty sure I was on Napster. What's another band that had one of their biggest hits, like 12 albums in? I can't think of any others. Well, I mean, honestly, Maybe like God, though, Stones. Like Thunderstruck is a good song, and that record was pretty strong, mm. but it's not as good as the old stuff. Yeah. I didn't think so. Also, 33 years ago in 1990, the mob movie Goodfellas was released, starring Robert De Niro, nice. Ray Liotta, and Joe Pesci. 30 years ago in 1993, Nirvana released their final album, In Utero, wow. featuring Heart Shaped Box and All Apologies. That was 30 years ago. 30 years ago. Oh, that really sucks. I just know I saw this maybe a day or two ago. It was the 30th anniversary of the Guns N' Roses double album that came out. The Use Your Illusion 1 and 2. That's an interesting music time that I won't bore you guys with, but that's basically when hair bands went away and grunge bands and more serious rock kind of took over. Mm. All right, Thursday on DGS. Dave is out. He'll be back on Monday. Rachel, Andrew Wheeler hanging out. Matt Pauly's going to join us in a little bit as well. So we'll do a little Cardinals and, I don't know, figure something else out. (laughs) 
<laughs> we'll definitely talk we a little baseball. We will fill it with content. Don't worry. <laughs> we'll definitely worry. have, have uh, some baseball talk with Matt Pauly coming up in a couple of minutes. Uh, Cardinals fell to the Brewers this afternoon here on KMOX. So we have a few more stories we want to run through that we didn't get to finish in the last segment. I think because I rudely interrupted you. Oh, no, you didn't. Oh, I it's didn't? fine. Oh, I don't think you right. did. If you did, I didn't notice. I just kind of do that. (laughs) And I'm I'm just just, like, okay. I just assume that's what I did. Uh, Let's see here. I feel like every time you turn around, the hornets are up to something. You know, we had the murder Mm -hmm. hornets during COVID. Now there are bee-eating hornets that have been found in Georgia. They're invasive bee-eating hornets, and they're in coastal Georgia. Uh, Officials are going around eradicating their nests because they could threaten production of some of the state's most valuable crops hornets are terrible mm-hmm. <laughs> i do not want to encounter them <laughs> they are abs- i mean obviously they're uh um aggressive and mean but also like very murdery yeah they love to murder i don't like the whole i mean obviously uh, is it me or like the story of the bees for a while seemed like it was a big deal we have to and save then it, the bees. it has calmed down as a story i'm not sure if yeah. that means the situation has gotten better or not but clearly it's not if, if yeah, hornets are murdering them? bees I don't know. I don't know. I mean, let's ask Google. Did we save the bees? You know, I think we were in a kind of a dire situation there for a while, but then Jerry Seinfeld released the bee movie, and I do think that that uh, fixed everything. It raised <laughs> awareness, and now the bees are safe. All right. So I got. I found a story that's. Uh, it says the headline is do, "Do we still need to save the bees?" And then the subtitle is. Yes and no and yes. So <laughs> I guess it's better than <laughs> it was, but maybe still need to do some work. Okay. That's fair enough. Yeah. Uh, next story here. A paper wine bottle is the latest eco-friendly innovation. The wine industry could significantly reduce its carbon footprint with this unique new paper bottle. It's produced by British-based company Frugal Pack. It weighs less than three ounces, and it's five times lighter than the standard glass bottle, which will help reduce fuel use, and emissions when you're transporting them. Uh, The paper bottle contains a plastic pouch inside to hold the wine, which doesn't alter the taste of the wine. So that's kind of cool. Mm -hmm. All right, so I have a question. and may Mm -hmm. not be in the story, so it's just a question. Okay. If the plastic is inside, does that counteract any of the benefit of the paper? I'm sure it counteracts a little bit of the benefit, but it seems like what they're focused on is the fact that the packaging the is weight. so much lighter. Yeah. yeah. I have a prediction. I don't drink mm. wine. I have a prediction that wine drinkers will not will not care for this. Why? I don't know. I don't I don't I'm, I'm not I just it's been done a certain way for so long and getting people to change is not easy. Mm. And you know, I mean I I don't I'm not I'm not a wine person at all. I don't enjoy it. But I do know that the people that are really into it as more than just a drink, but as a hobby, something they care about, they're passionate about everything, about every little taste that you can get. And is that any different? Put it this way. I know that there are wine people that don't like the whole wine in a box, mm-hmm. which is the same idea. It's got a little plastic liner inside and it's in a box and it sits in there. Like There, there are people that are snobby about that. That's now, maybe true. it's just the quality of the wine, though. If the wine that's in these uh, these paper bottles is high quality from the best producers, maybe that changes it. I will say I'm not a huge wine drinker, but typically whenever I pick which wine to buy at the store, I'm just going off of how pretty the label is. <laughs> so yeah, I think sure. they really need to step up their game with these with these paper bottles if they want to get people All right, to buy Andrew, it. Andrew, question. 
paper bottle for your Mountain Dew? In or out? Uh, depends on how long it lasts. You know, if normal, it's the same. Oh well, then yeah, that's fine. Okay, yeah. me too. It's <laughs> no already problem. in a plastic yeah. bottle anyway, right? And if the plastic's lining, it's not going to change anything. Yeah. That's fine. One more story here. An Oklahoma man tried to hide meth in his breakfast sandwich during a traffic stop. An Oklahoma man is behind bars after police found a bag of meth stuffed inside his half-eaten breakfast sandwich. He was stopped after an officer noticed he had a cracked windshield. As the officer approached the vehicle, he detected the smell of marijuana. At that point, the officer decided to deploy his canine unit. The canine unit uh, located the meth in a coin purse outside of a McDonald's breakfast sandwich. Also in the purse. Oh, excuse me. That's where they located the the uh, marijuana, but they also found 13 grams of meth and $200 in cash. Hmm. He was taken into custody and is now facing a charge of possession of a, of a controlled substance. I, I saw a story, and Rach, I think you might have had it uh, the past couple of days on the on the show sheet, but the woman that named her child methamphetamine rules. Yes. Do you know that, that per- she did that on purpose? To, to basically prove that the system for kicking out bad names is not working. Really? I didn't, I didn't All I saw was the headline, yeah. and I was like, oh, we're reaching new levels I of Hoosier. Too. But, you see, I actually was like, I'm like, come on, what's wrong? I had to see this person, right, because I'm like, who would do that? And I clicked on it, and it was like these totally normal-looking people. I'm like, what is going on? Hmm. And this lady was like, they're, they're, I think they're in Australia, maybe. Okay. And they have a, they have a, a computer system that kicks out like you can't name your kid something bad. You can't name your kid a swear word. You can't name your kid Hitler. You can't do any of those things because the system kicks it out. But they were getting reports that people were just getting things through, and she was like, "Well, let's see if I can get this through." So it's not. I don't think it's what they're actually naming their kid. Although that is what they did. They put down on the uh, on the what do you call it the birth, the birth certificate. certificate. In Australia. I mean, I guess I get the point she's trying to make, but it is still a little yeah. like, ugh. No, that's, that's, that's what you named your kid for a brief mm-hmm. period of time. It's still super cringe because you used your child as a, a way to make a point. Right. To the government about names. Just name your kid. Hi, TGS on a Thursday. No Dave today. He is out today and tomorrow back on Monday. Rachel, Andrew Wheeler hanging out with you. Matt Polly, kind enough to join us for a little bit as well. Hello, Mr. Polly. Hello. Not a good day today. For the uh, Cardinals, I mean. Yeah. Otherwise, it's kind of nice. Yeah, it's a it's warm nice day. You know? I guess. Like, I, I'm, I've realized I referred to myself yesterday as Captain It Doesn't Matter. Are you, are you numb now? I just, it doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't. <laughs> You're right. I, you can't take anything away from Miles Michaelis because this is a veteran guy with a track record who's not pitching very well at the end of a crappy season. These games, like, I, I don't believe he'd be pitching this way if the games mattered more. I, I think for a Jordan Walker, he's he's had some really bad defensive plays here recently. Today, he commits two errors on one play. The other day, he made that diving attempt and looked bad. Like, he's accomplished everything that he can, can accomplish. He's a young guy. What he needs right now is an offseason. It's time for the season to be done for him. There's nothing more that he can accomplish at this point. It's just, this is the extreme version of just playing out the yeah. games that are left. You know, what? what's hard, and I think the hard part Matt for all of St. Louis, like Cardinal fans, it's just you've never you haven't done this. No, and when's the last time it was like this? I mean, the last time it was like this was since 2011. They've only played three games that I they know. weren't in playoff contention until yesterday. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So it's like, it's like 07 was bad, but not this bad. I mean, it's been a really long time 
since you had this many games that don't matter. And it's a weird thing. I think people are having a hard time with it. Yeah, and I think where you kind of try to reconcile out is, yes, it is true. Every time you go put on a Cardinals uniform, every time you play a Major League Baseball game, whether you're in it or not, that you have to respect the game, you have to respect the fans, you have to do all those things. So in that sense, these games matter. There was still, it wasn't a huge crowd today, but there were still yeah. a lot of people who spent their hard-earned money to go sit at Bush Stadium and watch a baseball game, and you need to be respectful of those people. There's still going to be a lot of people who are listening to these games on this radio station, and, and you need to respect those people. But the other side of it is... What it, what actually happens in the game, if you really take a step back, there is no consequence to it. Yeah, I think that this is the difference. I, I think you're 100% right. Like, the guys on the field, and I don't get a sense that we're not getting that. You just have you, you have a, a mash unit right now. I mean, you lose Wilson Contreras today for the rest of the year. Nolan Gorman's been shut down for the rest of the year. You've had a lot of people. Ben and Donovan's gone. Like, you don't have your normal lineup but that doesn't mean that the guys that are there don't have the expectation of performing at the, at the you know major league effort level, right? Yeah. Like go compete. But what you're saying, in, in the way I'm interpreting it, and the way that I would put it is, we just can't overanalyze it. No. Like you're not learning anything that's going to be useful for 2024, other than just enjoying seeing what Mason Wynn is capable of and, the, and then starting to dream on that a little bit in the, in the future, seeing that Walker's offense has leveled off, you know, since he came back, he's been much better offensively and dreaming on the upside of that for the future, but you can't learn anything or analyze anything in the final couple of weeks of a season where you're half your roster and your team is totally out of it and see like, this is going to be important for next year. If, if miles Michaelis has a slow start to the season next year, there's going to be people that say, you see, well, he had a seven ERA in September last year. You should have seen this coming. No, you shouldn't have. This it just there there's no correlation between the two. Yeah, it's hard to there's no real connection between September and April. Right. Unless you're talking about a physical thing that lingers. Like that's that, what, in that case you might be people do that with Wainwright, because Wainwright had a yeah, really good season yeah. until the end of the month. And then when I make the point that, well, he had a really good season last year outside the final month, people go, Well, he had the final month, so he should have retired. Like, no. Yeah, it's just I don't know why he's been so bad this year, but it's not because he was bad in September last year. All right, let's change topics since we've. Uh, <laughs> there's just not much. There's just not much more to say. That's all there is to it. It's not a rip. It's not a knock on the team. There just there isn't a lot to say, but there will be a ton to say as soon as the World Series is over. Once the World Series is over, this is going to be one of the most important off seasons and one of the more intriguing off seasons in modern Cardinals history. Yes, be, and you're you're 100 percent right because this officially begins that next era. When you think about the Wainwright Molina era, and we can put Pujols in there, even though he wasn't involved in it for for 10 years, but you think about really from from like 96 on, from Larusa to where we're at right now, there has been. A certain consistency there, maybe a little bit past that, but you know what I'm saying. All of a sudden, with all due respect to Arnado and Goldschmidt, it feels like the next era of whatever Cardinals baseball is is going to start, and right in the middle of it is Walker and Wynn and Gorman. Yeah. But they have to 
recreate themselves from a pitching standpoint. And I think that goes beyond just the players that they sign. I think it goes to organizational philosophy. Philosophy. I think it goes into the technology that's being used. They're running behind. I'm getting the spring training complex redone down in Jupiter. I don't think that's good news because uh, the, the stuff that they're going to put in is stuff that a lot of Major League Baseball teams have in terms of the technology that they're using for pitchers. All those things matter, and all those things are going to bring in this next era of Cardinals baseball. All right, so quick hitter on another story. I, I've tweeted a little bit about this it's um it's an interesting story about access and i'd also be curious because i know andrew and rach are not huge sports nerds like we are but i'm curious what you guys think of the the overarching theme of this next story so usc um college in the college football world their head coach has banned a reporter from covering the team for two weeks because he did two things uh the reporter listened to two players talking 10 feet away from where reporters were gathered and mentioned some of that. Nothing it was nothing crazy or terrible. Just mentioned some of that in a story and also had the nerve to go ask people questions, players and coaches questions outside of the scheduled media availability, which is a press conference. It's right outside the practice facility. And in other words, he banned this guy for two weeks for doing his job. Like this is what people I don't think very well understand, right? Like part of being a reporter and covering a team is not just taking what the team and the players say to you officially on the record, on the camera, and just being a stenographer and printing that. You do have to go and ask questions and learn things and have conversations that aren't in those structured environments to provide the full understanding to the people that you're covering the team for. The the When we argue about media access... It's not for the reporter. It's for the fans. And the way I would put it is for the customers who are spending all of their money on that product. It's for them because they want it. The information is not for us in the media. It's not for me if I'm doing that and I'm asking people things off to the side that wouldn't be considered, quote, official media availability. In your experience covering sports, what percentage of people who cover the sports stick to only the stuff that's scheduled actual availability? Not the good ones. Nobody. Not yeah. the good. I mean, I wouldn't say nobody, but I would say the good, the ones who are really doing their job don't. I do think the college side of it uh, brings a little bit of a different. You. If this was happening at the high school level, you would totally understand it. If it's happening at the professional level, you're going, what are they talking about? So you've got this murky thing of the college level where now these kids are getting paid because it's NIL, but there is a, per, you know, the, the, the university's going to tell you they're trying to protect the 18 to 22 year olds in there, even though it's big time well, I mean, major college are, those athletics. Are grown, those are grown men though. Yeah. Those men can go to war. Those men can vote. Those men can do a lot of things that grown people can do. I don't I don't have a problem with an athletic department or university saying these are off limits areas for reporters, but this reaction to it, I, I don't think a line was crossed with what this person did uh, by any stretch of the mind. And Lincoln Riley, I think, is going to learn that being in a large media market is yeah. very different than being in Norman, Oklahoma. And I guess the analogy I would make is this would be like telling people who cover the White House you can only ask questions during press conferences and you cannot seek out information in any other way. It's nonsense. If you don't want to be amongst the big boys and you're Lincoln Riley, then go back to Oklahoma because you're in L.A. And now he's getting roasted by everybody, including 
NFL reporters who are basically saying, yeah, buddy, stick to the small time because you can't do that here. He probably doesn't care that much. He probably doesn't because he's making $9 yeah. million dollars a year. It's 447 brought to you by the Heise Advisory Group. So, guys, I guess it's uh, escaped prisoner season in the United States of America. We had the dude in Pennsylvania. Now we got somebody here that's found their way out on the loose. This story's I mean, you see the videos of him just walking out of the hospital, and now <laughs> we keep seeing tweets from the St. Louis County Police Department. We keep, uh, you know, asking for tips. There keeps being reports about, you know, law enforcement has engulfed this area, this area. They're looking for this guy. Uh, it's it's not funny. It's no. a very serious situation, but there is kind of a humorous aspect to it when you just see this guy just walking out of the hospital like it's nothing. Yeah, the the. The, it's gallows humor, right? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. come on, are you kidding me? Like, it's not really funny that somebody who is, is considered dangerous is roaming around. I mean, they were looking for him. They had a, a look like a big manhunt going on in Tower Grove Park, um, which is obviously, you know, neighborhoods surrounding yeah. that area. Not co- schools in that area. It's not, not good. It's not funny funny. It's just, it's gallows humor. Like, at, at what point, how many more of these dumb things can happen, especially here? I mean, when you think about all of the things that we've been watching happen from shootings three blocks down from City Hall to the drug park across the street from City Hall, like it just at some point, what do you do other than just sit back and laugh in frustration?